Aloha and welcome back to yet another episode of the Woman on Fire podcast. I'm Daniela. We've got Jamie and Coral Estelle. And you know what? We've got a special guest today. So I'm going to let her take it away, introduce herself and what she's fired up about today. Yeah. Aloha. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, Coral. <laughs> she welcomes you to the podcast <laughs> thank you um yeah my name is kelly stern um i am mama in my third pregnancy and i am a plant-based mama so i eat a plant-based whole food diet and i've done that through all my pregnancies and i'm here to talk with you guys a little bit about it and just share some of my story and some of my experience and how I choose to nourish myself. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for, for coming on. I definitely was, um, you know, you and I interact a lot. And um, I think that we we run into these things over over the years of working with folks with different specificities of for their diet and whatnot. And it is nice to hear how other folks navigate um, these these journeys. I also know that you have a really good relationship to the earth and to food in general. And so I think like a fresh perspective because you are also a farmer and um, yeah, you have this really wonderful way of looking at it. You've had, you know, you've taken really good care of yourself over the years. You have this thriving child to share with us and then this other one on the way so thank you for yeah like the knowledge that's been brought to you to share and bring forth thank you Jamie yeah yeah so I would say just to give a little history I became a vegetarian when I was nine years old um that wasn't in any influence from my parents um but actually through meeting one of my dear sisters and good friends at that age and her and her family who had just come um, from a space where they were always just eating whole foods, organic foods. Um, and it was actually really foreign for me because that wasn't how I grew up. Um, you know, my parents did a great job feeding me, but it was also like I could eat whatever I wanted, which was, um, you know, which was great to one perspective, but also left me really curious about food that was different than what I was familiar with. Um, and so over the years, uh, I just started educating myself more and more. And then as I um, transitioned to my late teenage years, I um, started reading some books like Diet for a New America and really learning about animal agriculture and how that didn't set well with me. And so that was a really easy thing for me when I started understanding agriculture, understanding where food came from, um, understanding uh, animal agriculture specifically, I was really um, turned off by many foods. And it opened up this whole gateway of understanding foods in a new way and really looking for sources of food that made sense to me that were places that I wanted to put my money in places that I wanted to support. And so, yeah, that felt, that felt good. So it slowly transitioned to me eating a plant-based diet, which eventually transitioned to me eating a raw food diet for years. 
um, becoming a raw food chef, becoming a vegan chef, um, supporting restaurants, yoga retreats, um, and then just doing like some personal chefing type stuff. And now I even do food for our events that we that we have on our farm. So my passion for food has definitely evolved and I'm definitely a foodie. <laughs> and now I have a four acre organic farm on the island of Oahu. And I think with that foundation, it's really educated me in a way to understand where food comes from on a whole new level. Um, I think, you know, so many humans in the world are familiar with going to say like a grocery store and purchasing something that's in a package and there's no story, there's no history. It might have like a gentle name of the farm or something on it, but there isn't like a full connection, right? There's this disconnect, there's this not sure when the food was harvested, how long it's been in plastic packaging, um, how long it's been sitting on the shelf, how many people's hands have touched it. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I've just become super inspired by food and really supporting um, people who are growing food around me, near me, um, and trying to nourish my body with, yeah, just the freshest, most organic Pono food there is. <laughs> Um, that's why I thought it would be good to chat with you because it's this different perspective like you are with the food and it's cool to hear your history actually so thank you for sharing that yeah <laughs> yeah thank you um yeah so from there I would say um I think you know I took veganism into raw foodism which is a very extreme um diet obviously not eating anything cooked which was actually perfect at that time of my life because I was like a traveling floaty yoga teacher bouncing from place to place around the continent, around the world, basically. And um, I feel like the raw food supported my like floaty bouncing from location to location energy at that time. And it was when I rooted down here on the island of Oahu 15 years ago that I started putting my hands in the land and connecting with the earth. And being able to like harvest these root vegetables or like the kalo or the uwala, the sweet potato and just cooking it and eating these roots like made me feel so grounded in not only my body, but also in the land where I was connected and the land where I was living and choosing to be and choosing to um, kind of shift into this new life. And yeah, it felt really good. And so since then, I've continued to be on a plant-based diet. And I've always heard lots of stories about women, um, you know, shifting their diets when they're in their pregnancy. And I was always curious about what would come up for me um, throughout that experience. Like, what would my body crave? What would my body not crave? You know, so many women who have said they just like really craved eating like red meat, um, you know, just to like maybe because for whatever reason but um yeah so I was always curious what was going to come up for me but that that wasn't my case <laughs> throughout my pregnancies um I think you know when I first became pregnant um was with a miscarriage and in that journey I think it's just hard I want I want to just start off by saying this, this is my experience. And I don't think that a vegan diet or a plant-based diet is for everyone. 
And I'm 100% supportive of any man, woman, person choosing a diet that makes their body feel good and makes them feel authentic in themselves. Um, we can all choose to eat crap or junk food or lots of packaged items or processed items. That's fine too, but really sitting with how that feels in your body and how that feels in how you carry your body, how you communicate with people, what your mental clarity is. Um, it's just, it's important. And this is my story. And I know that not everybody through pregnancy would, would work with a plant-based diet and that's fine. Or every human in the world is not going to work with that plant-based diet to where it nourishes them and they feel really valid in their body. Um, so I just want to preface that a little bit in that this is my experience. Um, so I would just say specifically with pregnancy too, like the first trimester can be really hard. Um, I've been through three first trimesters, um, the first one ending a miscarriage and um, the second one ending with a beautiful little girl. And then I'm just on the beginning of a third trimester now. Um, the first trimester is hard to feed yourself just because you don't feel great. You feel tired sometimes or every day nauseous. Um, so I say stepping into pregnancy, just having, um, someone near you that can be a support system, whether it be your partner, um, whether it be a friend who might help you out with a little bit of food preparation, um, a good, healthy, like a health food store or a restaurant that provides organic food nearby that you can support that makes it like easy for you is a big um, it's a big go-to and like a big plus, right? Not everybody has all of that available. Um, some, some women in their first trimester might just be home by themselves all day or not have the convenience of, of picking up something that feels wholesome in their body easily. Um, which I would say I, I still make 95% of my food, you know, um, but finding things that feel simple and nutritious and kind of easy is what I would recommend because I find I find it really hard to like fully nourish myself in a first trimester because I'm just I don't feel like it you know I feel like yeah I feel like cr I crave carbs like I want to eat just like breadfruit and <laughs> and uh avocado toast <laughs> um right I think most people can relate to that part of your story. If they've carried a pregnancy, I think many, many, many folks can relate to that piece. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. And it's also depending on how passionate people are to be with their food and connect with their food or even cook. Cause not everybody loves to cook. Um, it's, it's a passion of mine, but it's a hard passion to hold on to while I'm pregnant. <laughs> it always it always has been. Um, I would say in my pregnancy with my daughter, um, you know, I didn't have any other kids. So I was able to get creative. Once I started transitioning to that second trimester, I was able to start getting more creative and make, you know, fuller meals that felt more nourishing for my body. Um, and moving into the third trimester also and getting really inspired to make a ton of like postpartum foods and pre-prepping postpartum foods and freezing stuff and um, 
you know, dropping food off to all my postpartum mamas and just really, yeah, diving into that support system. But um, this pregnancy has been way different because I'm trying to keep up with a one and a half year old. <laughs> and so, and nourish her and feed her and make sure that she's taken care of. So I've found it um, really challenging on days where I'm, you know, waking up in the morning and I'm making her superfood oatmeal full of chias and hemp seeds and goji berries and all the good things. And then I'm looking at the oatmeal going, I don't want to eat that, <laughs> which it's actually a bowl that's like so full of so much nutrient, but like my body's like, no, nope, don't want that. Like I want the avocado toast, <laughs> you know, and just being, um, so then I make avocado toast and cover it in hemp seeds and chia seeds and try to get the, the omegas still in my body. Um, and yeah, just having that demand of another child, I would say is, is really tricky for nourishing myself and finding the time to make myself, um, really quality meals. And then by the end of the day, when I'm putting her down for sleep at the end of the day, it's like hard for me to have that energy to spend a lot of time on a meal. Um, and this is just me being like really raw with, with where I'm at with these pregnancies, because in my past pre-children, I had whatever amount of time I wanted to make a meal, you know, and I could look up all these different ideas and recipes um, online and be like, oh, this one's going to take me three hours. Great. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, because I enjoyed being in the kitchen and enjoyed cooking. Um, but this pregnancy has definitely been more challenging. Um, I have a partner who's luckily super supportive. Um, and he's not, a sh I wouldn't call him a chef. Um, making food is not his high, his strong point growing food is, um, which is helpful. Um, but he likes to try to make me green smoothies with lots of protein in them and, you know, continue to support me to make really nutritious, delicious meals for myself and to feed the baby. So that's, that's also really helpful. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, Kelly. Thanks for sharing these real things that you've dealt with on your journeys. It's like you and your partner's life revolves around food by and large in many ways. Um, and yet there's still things that come up, right? So you mentioned earlier that you were curious about whether or not you would have any maybe non-vegan um, uh, desires that would shift in your pregnancies, but you haven't felt that. I'm curious um, what shifts you have felt or, you know, as your growing needs shift over time from one pregnancy to the next, from one trimester to the next, how have you shifted and adapted and what have you had more or less of besides avocado toast? We know that yeah. part. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, we grow avocados, so <laughs> they're, they're readily available if you're in the right season. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So let's see. Instagram is a really interesting world to have because it's shoving images of food that I want to eat in my <laughs> face all the time. And I'm like, oh, I want to eat that. Oh, but oh, I want to eat that. But there's no restaurants here. There's no humans here making this stuff that provides me. So I'd say there's lots of cravings. Um, I just saw a recipe for this beautiful 
vegan tiramisu and I went to Whole Foods this morning. I said to my partner, hey, I actually bought the ingredients. So if I can find time, I'm going to make myself this tiramisu because I really want it. Um, but so, yeah, I love I love sweets, obviously not like super junky, over sugary sweets. That's not my that's not my thing, but almost like healthy desserts. That's always something fun. Um, I love really warm, nourishing, like hearty, savory breakfast. I'm not typically a smoothie. Like I enjoy smoothies, but that's not my go-to for breakfast at this point in my life or during pregnancy. Um, so like a wholesome breakfast situation for me would be like a big bowl of like polenta which is like the corn grits with like coconut cream and then a bunch of greens from the garden that are just like sauteed down with maybe a little bit of tamari um and then from there like adding some sort of like fatty protein so it could be um like some nuts and seeds it could be some like I like cooking tempeh every once in a while that adds an extra protein element um, you could do beans with that, um, but it feels good because it's almost like just warm, creamy, yummy porridge in the morning, <laughs> which is different than oatmeal because you could make oatmeal creamy and delicious also, but for some reason, because I make it every morning for my babe, it's not my jam. Yeah, it's hard. I think when you see the same thing over and over, or the sweets, oats tend to be sweeter you know so if you're craving that savory mm -hmm. that sounds super good I'm ready to eat that now <laughs> I, I gotta say Sorry, I have a protester in my lap hold on <laughs> awesome thanks for sharing those details um you know you, like you mentioned at some point this is you sharing your story um and on this podcast, we really value sharing stories as medicine so that we can learn from each other as women, right? It's not just this, I mean, you are incredibly knowledgeable, but this isn't about like a presentation about this is how you do vegan pregnancy. This is how it works. It's like, no, this is how you have lived your life and your experiences of what has worked for you and how you've experimented. And that's the richness of your story. It's that it's lessons that came up for you and then others can reflect on them and they can apply them to their lives if you know in whatever ways may work or not um at the same time I do have like two questions that might be kind of annoying but you know that it's like the most common things that people wonder about when they think about vegan pregnancies um and if they're gonna do it it's the the, the things right it's like well what about protein what about iron <laughs> right so how do you relate to those questions and nutrients and how does that play out in your life yeah so I think um I think that obviously protein is the top question that I've gotten like my entire life being a vegetarian I think that so many people don't realize protein is actually in vegetables <laughs> wow um but yeah, there's so many other amazing sources. And like I said, I'm predominantly a whole food plant-based eater, um, meaning that I try to limit, I wouldn't say I'm perfect at all. I wouldn't say 
I don't eat something that comes out of, you know, that somebody else produced and put it in a box and it's on the shelf at the store. Um, I'm not saying I don't eat that every once in a while. Um, but what I am saying is that I like to cook uh, whole foods, meaning that I will buy like bulk lentils and bulk um, like split peas and um, different types of legumes that have a lot of protein in them that I can, you know, rinse off. And luckily, Instapot was developed and <laughs> it has really supported the opportunity for me to um, take something like instead of buying canned chickpeas, buying bulk chickpeas um, and putting them in an Instapot and having them able to be pressure cooked in I don't even know. I think it's like 45 minutes or something like that, which is incredible. Um, and so for me making different types of like kitchery, which is full of veggies, I just take all the veggies from the garden, um, veggies and rice and lentils or peas or mung beans, sprouted mung beans, lots of different things and putting it all into like one space, um, to really fill those, those, um, yeah, fill my body and also feel like really dense with nutrients. Um, you can get protein in so many ways. So your nuts, um, your buckwheat, your, all of your legumes, all of your beans. And I know everybody's different. Like some people have a harder time digesting legumes and things like that. Um, I would say, you know, if that is your body and that doesn't feel good, then it's probably not something that you, you need to eat right then. Or it might just be something that needs to be you know it could be some sort of like gut thing that could be addressed maybe um preconception right we could do some cleansing and things like that to support our gut health before we become pregnant if that's something that you're consciously conceiving <laughs> um um yeah lots of greens your greens are both rich in iron and protein um and then your omega fatty acids, which all come from typically um, meat sources or fish um, is super easy to get in the vegan world. So not only do certain things like chia um, flax seeds, things like that will contain your omega, but they also contain protein um, as well. There's also... I'm going to jump to iron. Um, you know, not everybody loves seaweed, but seaweed is a really delicious for me, source of iron, um, like chlorella and spirulina, chia and flax, um, different greens, lots of greens. So I've actually been, um, at this pregnancy feeling there was a moment between in the middle of the second trimester where I was really feeling like maybe I needed more iron. And so I just made the conscious effort to go out or send my partner out to the garden and bring back massive handfuls of kale and just putting those, like just steaming them down and having them with my breakfast and having them with my dinner so that every day I'm still getting a large amount of greens that just help me. Yeah. Feel, feel better. Um, I do go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say one of the tricks with seaweed that I learned was putting kombu in when you're cooking beans because yeah. it like in an instapot because it basically will disintegrate. 
and it is high in iron and also makes actually the beans more tender, supposedly. So that's a good way to hide it if you don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually heard that as well. I typically use like kelp granules when I did beans in an Instapot or cooked my beans down because it's my understanding is also that it's supposed to help with gassiness um, and help with digestion as well. Um, and yeah, just like Jamie said, you can take those seaweeds and mix them into any kind of soup too. You can just chop them up real fine and they kind of, they don't have to be big chunks of like wok me like in your stew, unless you're making maybe a more like Asian influenced stew, but they can be in other types of like curries or um, yeah, just anything really and kind of dissolve into that and just add a little bit of a flavor, but not much. Um, yeah. And I did want to also say like, I do take a prenatal vitamin, um, a new chapter fermented prenatal vitamin. Um, it has, you know, all of the things, but also it has B12 in it. Um, which is another thing that people are concerned about with deficiencies. Um, I do want to say that I feel very blessed because I feel like I've been vegan for, oh man, okay, how old am I now? Probably like 16, 17 years that I've been plant-based, um, which is a pretty long time for um, people who have maybe like played around with a vegan diet. Um, but I feel like my body does well on this diet. And so for me, just eating wholesome foods like whole foods, I don't feel like I need to supplement. I don't feel like I need to take extra things um, to fulfill something within my body that I'm lacking from food. Uh, so I really try to intensify the density and the diversity of what I'm eating so that it um, fills all of those little gaps that other people might be trying to supplement with. Um, there was something else I was going to say um, specific to, oh, I also, with the omegas, I do during pregnancy specifically take a vegan DHA and EPA um, vitamin that's basically all seaweed, <laughs> um, but um, the Sun Warrior brand has a really great organic um, one and so does New Chapter. And I've taken both of those during um, my pregnancies. And that's felt really helpful. And through my last pregnancy, I, I did oh my, um, iron with that pregnancy the entire time as well, like a liquid iron with this one. I've, I took it through the first trimester and then I kind of now just take it more when I'm feeling um, like my body wants it or craves it. And then I also, during this pregnancy have been taking my placenta when I feel like I might need a little bit more iron or a little bit more you know something extra mm -hmm. thanks yeah. for running us through the protein iron and b12 conversation <laughs> that comes up for people and i want to point out to people in case it's not already obvious that this isn't really a vegan specific conversation actually i mean how many omnivores have we worked with jamie where it's like we still need to work on like more protein and more iron or more wholesome foods, right? In an era where there is so much prepackaged food and that's becoming the predominant element of people's diet, um, 
nutrients really do get lost along the way. So we're yeah, we talk a lot about eating the rainbow, right? Eating the rainbow, eat the variety, variety. Mm-hmm. Totally. So this is just relevant for everybody, you know. It, you know, the like having little energy dips every now and then throughout different times of the pregnancy, it comes up, okay, it's a message from the body that the sh- nutrient shifts are, uh, oh, well, the, nu- <laughs> the, the needs are shifting. So time to adapt. Um, so thanks for sharing different tips that have worked for you to help you adapt. Um, yeah, it's a big conversation, people in the relationship to food and how they nourish themselves and how they keep up their vitality. You've mentioned many times, this is what works for you. You feel good this way. And that's a big, that's what we're looking for. A lot of people feel really sometimes just like just run down, just depleted. Again, vegan or not, just omnivores, it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah. I feel like over the years, I've supported so many people with their food choices and with their diets and not specific to pregnant women. I've also connected with pregnant women on this journey as well. And I've worked with so many food sensitivities and really extreme allergies and been able to cook for people um, in that way. And, you know, we're just all different. Each body's different. Nobody births the same way. Nobody eats the same way. Nobody lives the same way. We're all these different little humans running around this earth and this planet living different lives. So, um, I wouldn't say that any one thing, one diet is what everyone should be on. I feel, um, very passionate about that. I do feel passionate about people finding some sort of um, connection to their food. Um, I am really passionate about the little money that I do bring in and where that's spent. So I really care about, um, you know, Oreos are vegan, right? But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, like can you, can, eat? you can eat a bunch of crap that's technically Ooh. vegan, right? Ooh. But it doesn't mean that you're going to be healthy. But it's like, right. I don't want to spend my money to support Oreos. Like, I want to spend my money to support sustainable farmers, organic Ooh. farmers, um, local farmers. Um, even talking about ethics here. Food ethics. ethics. is huge for me, for me specifically. And I like to support that within other people as well. Um, I don't buy imported. Um, I buy imported foods. I'm not saying I don't do that. What I a big part of my food is not buying imported foods that we grow locally here. So I don't buy imported bananas. I don't buy imported avocados, things that we, um, I don't buy imported mangoes, (laughs) you know, even though they're seasonal. So I only get to eat them late summer. (laughs) Um, but I really try to stick with, um, supporting first, like the, um, the humans that are closest to me through my money, through my sharings, through my exchange. Right. And then from there, like slowly trickling out. And then, um, you know, it's like, if your body feels good eating meats, where can you find a meat that's close by that's sourced through maybe a friend? Um, I mean, in Hawaii, a lot of people eat pig, right. But there's a lot of pig pig hunters out there so you know you find 
people close by or businesses that might be um, supporting that type of um, food production, but in a smaller scale or in a more, um, yeah, just ethical scale. That's huge um, for me. And, and also just to keep everybody in this um, kind of small supportive, where you're supporting your own community, you know? Um, and then obviously we source out for things that we we want. Not all my ingredients for my tiramisu are from a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But be intentional when you can, right? Mm -hmm. It's worth it, right? We're voting with our dollars every time we make purchase of what matters, of what we believe in, of what we want to see growing more and more. And, you know, I've shifted over the years, no meat, no fish, whatever. Now I'm, now I'm with the meat, but I, I've only gotten meat from a local source. And the price is kind of intense. You know, if I was buying meat for more than just me, I'm not sure I could do it very often. <laughs> um, so sometimes that's a hurdle, not with all things, but I, I understand that for some people it's like, I can't do that. But um, when possible, it is worth that extra bit of money because you're paying the price a different way when we are you know outsourcing somewhere else because oh well it's cheaper well why is it cheaper though right they're cutting corners somewhere they're poisoning the land somewhere else all the fuel that went into getting it here all the pesticides who knows right these big industries often um you know ethics get lost along the way in order to mass produce things so thank you for bringing attention to that and to seaweed super underrated let's call back in the seed wheat seaweed into our lives <laughs> um i want to invite you to share about your postpartum adventures with vegan foods how how has that looked like for you and as you ponder this upcoming postpartum what do you dream about and what works for you yeah um my postpartum with my daughter Zinnia was fabulous because I had an awesome meal train and I felt incredibly supported by my community. Um, I really chose to really kind of seclude, keep myself um, enclosed with just my new baby and my partner. Um, so we left a cooler out in our garage and people would just drop food off for us. Um, there wasn't a ton of engaging with, um, with, with the people at all that dropped off food. It was like, they were just coming to be of service for us um, and our family. Um, stews and soups again, even though we live, <laughs> we live in Hawaii, like I had my daughter emerged on the summer solstice in the morning and it's hot and we don't have air conditioning in Hawaii, <laughs> but I wanted soup for breakfast, <laughs> soup for lunch <laughs> and soup for dinner. Um, it just felt really good to eat, which makes sense because that's very um, real in postpartum is just eating nourishing warm foods um, to support that healing of your body and your uterus. And um, so I loved, I loved stews. Um, I had pre-made a giant vegan lasagna and froze it and um I also had a friend drop off a lasagna that he made and the lasagna was also delicious <laughs> such a such a fun meal and not something I specifically 
um, was thinking of, but it actually felt really good at that time. Um, we grow a lot of kalo and, um, you know, for those who are familiar with that plant, you can also eat the leaves as well. And so it's uh, here in Hawaii called luau stew. And so I made a bunch of luau stew also and froze that with tons of turmeric and ginger from our farm. Um, so that felt really nourishing. Uh, Paul made me some really awesome um, chocolate placenta smoothies that were delicious. Um, you know, for being a vegan or plant-based for like most of my life. Um, and I am indulging in our, my own, um, or my child's placenta. Um, I know that you guys have shared a lot about Anstey Medra or our Kumu Medra or elder midwife Medra. And she would just always say the placenta is the only meat that a vegetarian can eat because nothing had to die to produce it. Something had to be born. And that's just the type of wisdom that came through her. And um, I always just felt inclined to utilize that. Um, I'm also really passionate about birth. So I took the time to really take the meatier stuff out of the middle to save for smoothies. And then, and this is someone who's like never cooked meat in my life. Okay. But I am like, yeah, I'm like in the placenta, like taking off the amniotic sac using that as my protein that I, we planted under a coconut tree um, ate the middle parts in the smoothie and then dehydrated and capsulized the rest of it um, so yeah in, in enjoying that placenta um, and just yeah nutrient rich drinks teas um, I loved a lot of the recipes out of the first 40 days and yeah I just felt really nourished um and for this upcoming postpartum, we'll probably spend a little bit of time prepping some food for myself um, to the best of my ability. Actually, one of the postpartum meals I love the most was Jamie's. I don't know what it was, but it was like a lentil potato soup that was like leftover stuff in her fridge that she made, like used and made me this like incredible. I'm like, what did she put in this? It just felt so, so good. And she <laughs> also brought me these really naughty chocolate chip cookie bar things that I, were in my freezer for like a week and a half it was like a massive tray and I would just eat a little bite every day so uh. <laughs> yeah I have to I have to give the shout out to uh the Evergreen State College their uh the branch is their little um their housing like corner store and the branch is where we got the oat fudgies recipe and <laughs> they're, so good. they're the best <laughs> I remember just taking a bite being like I don't know what is in this but it's so good and also it was love. gooey and chocolatey and from someone who loves me and I think that having a meal train and being really clear with what you want um don't be afraid to say recipes. <laughs> yeah. Put recipes or just like, I eat this specific way. I, I want it to be organic. I want it to be this. I want it to be that, you know, be really clear. Like it, whatever you feel like is going to nourish your body the most, I think um, it's important to, to really speak your truth on, 
on that so that people aren't dropping you off stuff that you don't want to be eating. Um, yeah, so we felt really, really taken care of and really nourished. And I'm, you know, crossing my fingers for the same experience in this upcoming, upcoming journey as well. Do you want to share how you went about coordinating that, whether you, you, whether you use a particular platform or had a designated friend like, hey, you take care of logistics so I can just be in my postpartum bliss bubble? <laughs> um, or how did you coordinate who would come by when so you didn't just get 20 meals in one day and then zero the next day? Yeah, we use the Meal Train app. Um, my friend who has actually now a postpartum food business here on Oahu. Um, actually, I, I reached out to her to coordinate. So um, it was still a lot of my own work because I was wording and being really specific with what I needed, I wanted. And I've also set up meal trains for other friends postpartum. Uh, but meal trains so great. It's free. It's simple. It's, um, you know, people just sign up for what days they want to show up. Some people put what they were bringing. Other people just say bringing something yummy and delicious. <laughs> um, and then my friend who helped coordinate um, the meal train would bring me days that nobody else had signed up um, because she was able to see that. And she was also like cooking for other mamas and things like that. So um yeah, it was incredible. And when that started slowing down, I was <laughs> so sad because then I was getting into a more challenging time with the baby. <laughs> I was like, I need help with food. Um, but yeah, I just think having any sort of support postpartum with food, like just have it set up, whether it be like someone that you really love and trust coming to stay with you and doing the cooking or someone that lives nearby that can just, you know, drop off. But the meal train is so huge because then many people can contribute. Um, yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you had that. And now I'm thinking we should get the meal train folks to support the podcast, Jamie, they can be <laughs> our sponsors because we've actually talked about them quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that's who you use, but that's great. Glad mm -hmm. that worked. Uh, I'm thinking of a, an episode for the podcast. The, the Kelly Stern, the vegan that ate her placenta. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm getting excited. It's this funny because my husband always teases about me processing placentas too. And he's like, there's my vegetarian wife in the kitchen chopping up body parts. <laughs> quite bloody <laughs> I've also processed placentas before and it's the only you know I've never I don't even think I've ever cut a piece of chicken on a cutting board ever in my whole life ah. <laughs> but I will happily process or support a woman in her placenta encapsulation well it's such a beautiful it, it is I mean not everyone thinks a placenta is beautiful you're definitely in the birth nerd world, if you've got, you know, those words coming out simultaneously. But at the same time, there is something like what Medra said, you know, like this is, it's, it's a, it's sacred, it's sacred. That's why even when folks don't know what they want to do with their placentas, I offer to bury them. Like, I don't feel comfortable just putting them in the trash. No. ask if I can bury them do you mind if I bury it if you're not gonna do anything with it so how many are implanted in your yard oh many many <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know I stopped counting 
in the Hawaiian culture, it's always planted um, the coconut. with a tree. Yeah, and um, we're happy to uh, plant placentas here on our farm. So if anybody <laughs> needs a place. Um, and yeah, I felt called to do a little of everything. So I did some planting um, and then I also did some eating. You know, I think every mammal eats their placentas. So it's like, let's go for it. Obviously, there's something in there that's going to support my body postpartum, right? So, yeah. Absolutely. It's part of the journey of reclaiming birth and tapping into those primal instinctual ways. That's bringing it back home. Well, dear, is there any last message that you want to share with the world? Um, whether about vegan childbearing or otherwise? Yeah, um, I I know I said the word organic quite a few times, but something I would like to just share is um, it's okay to look out around where you live to kind of start playing around with ideas of who who grows food around you it's okay to try growing maybe just a kale plant in a pot at your house so you have fresh greens. Um, I think the reason I specify organic is because there's not going to be those added uh, chemicals, pesticides, fertilizers added to that food. So um, I still suggest watching it, especially if it's coming from far away um, before consuming, but when we consume food that's not organic, we're consuming the chemicals. Even if you wash it, it's still in the plant itself. So we're consuming it. So we're bringing toxicity into our own body. I want to clarify too that not all farms are certified organic. So it's good to talk to farmers um, and not feel um, nervous about asking them about their growing methods because um, we weren't certified for many, many years, um, but we've always been growing organically right it's a legal term right um so just really knowing that what you put in your body is nourishing not only your body but if you're also growing a human it's nourishing that human's body and so we want to find a way to put the cleanest food in our body to support our own health and support the health of our baby and our growing baby and our future babies um, and so if you are choosing consciously to conceive, um, it might be a good idea to do a little, not crazy cleansing, but a little bit of cleansing before that too, just to support your, your gut health and, you know, start eating a little bit more clean or yeah, just in preparation. I think, um, I think that can work for anybody. It doesn't have to be a woman trying to conceive a child. Um, uh, I know partners who do it together before they consciously conceive a child. Um, I know partners who do it without <laughs> any conception of a child or idea of a child. Um, I just think taking a, a moment to kind of cleanse your body is is uh, important. And then that could be really simple. It doesn't have to be like a real rigid master cleanse or juice fast. It's just, you know, being outside in the sun, sweating, 
you know, drinking extra water <laughs> um, and just shifting a little bit to eat a cleaner diet. Yeah, I wanted to just touch on the organic certification thing. I think it is, you know, if, if folks do have a local farmer's market, it is worth going and speaking to some of those farms because um, my, a good friend of mine, my, my college housemate, she works for Department of Ag and helps small farms get funding for their certification because it is quite expensive. And so they, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can support small ag um, and, and still eat pretty clean, but you do have to ask those questions. You do have to, to ask the farmers what their practices are. And most folks who are not spraying are really very proud and they'll even invite you to come and check out their place, you know, like <laughs> most farmers in general are pretty, pretty proud of what they do. But I know that, you know, that's a way to help small businesses acquire their certification is, is by inquiring about how, um, if that's the route that they choose. So, yeah. yeah. Growing up on Big Island, the thing was just like no spray. You go to the farmer's market, you see the no spray folks and you drive around and you got people that have their signs up like no spray. Like <laughs> that's the unofficial organic certification that went <laughs> on there. That's how, you know, people are being thoughtful of how they grow their plants. But thank you for bringing that to light because, oh, Kelly, I'm incredibly passionate about that, of course. Right. Because it's about the bigger picture. We see how it affects mm, the fabric of humanity and the micro and the macro, right? It's it's very deep. And if the body's very busy trying to deal with all these extra toxins, it, it's not going to be able to prioritize just absorbing the nutrients or or whatever it needs to do to be healthy. It's preoccupied, right? And one of, um, you kind of already said it, I'll just harp on it. One of the best ways often to kind of get rid of that stuff is just to decrease how much you're exposing yourself to right people are like how do I detox well just you know decrease the amount of toxins you're exposed to in the first place right yeah. so that they can be fleshed out because the body heals just give it time help it heal it has that innate capacity to heal it has processes to get rid of stuff just stop dumping stuff though <laughs> is the thing um, and that you talked about the preconception time too thank you for that um that's a not everyone has that gift sometimes their babies just surprise us and it's like oh well I don't I don't have time but if you have the time by all means prepare your mind and body as well as you can so thank you for your message your story sharing your wisdom and the lessons of your life journey with your babies yeah, I want to just pick up all the mamas with multiple children that are still trying to feed themselves and <laughs> all their other kids and um, the, not just the mamas, the whole, you know, whoever contributes within the family. It's so important. Food is so important and it's such a way for us to come together as Ohana, a way to join with our family, with our friends, um, time to connect. So really, um, yeah, make food with your friends, support your friends grow some food for your friends, harvest food from the ocean or the forest, whatever, whatever resonates with you, but um, take time to eat a meal and share some sweet words with one another. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Love that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah.
right. Well, thank you for your time. Both of you, all of all three of you. It's great to be here. Thanks for sharing. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot.